from the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Uh, podcast scheduling is a Rubik's cube that I haven't solved hundred percent yet. And, uh, I figured out that if I schedule three podcasts a week, I'm likely to publish at least once. Uh, but sadly I didn't schedule three this week. Uh, so I am very grateful to advertising agents, Anthony Krupe, uh, for joining the podcast on short notice. Anthony, welcome back to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Uh, Robert, thanks for having me again. I, uh, I'm starting to feel like I'm becoming your Regis Philbin. Yeah, you're my go-to guy, man. Uh, well, I mean, so, 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 and and not to not to give uh, Richard Deitch a big head, but the, the the you know the the predominant feedback that I've gotten about the podcast so far is uh, more Deitch and more Krupe. Uh and uh, so I'm I'm just trying to give the audience what they want. Hey, you're now you're giving me a big head because uh, Deitch is the pro. Deitch uh, is uh, he makes his bread and butter off of this stuff, so. To to be in that select company <laughs> is uh, an honor. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's start out with something fun. I, I think it was right before I started podcasting, and I I can't even remember what the specifics were now. But uh, I tweeted out something like, "I love TV critics like Alan Sepinwall and Maureen Ryan." but they should never, ever be able to write about the business of television. And uh, I took a lot of heat on that tweet. Alan and, and, and Mo have uh, lots of fans, and they are great TV critics, and so I wasn't too surprised by that. Uh, but I, I felt kind of resolutely in the right, and uh, I was recently reminded of that when uh, I saw you in your gentle way uh, take out your baseball bat and kind of go Capone on uh, New York Times TV critic uh, James Panawazic. And uh, he had tweeted out, Overgeneralization, but broadcast networks have saved their good, interesting stuff for midseason for years. Why even have a fall season? Uh, to which Anthony tweeted out, because Americans spend $300 billion more uh, in September to December than they do the other eight months combined. TV is a delivery system for, for advertising. Uh, what, what, what's your thought in general on uh, TV critics tweeting about the business? Uh, yeah, that's, that's one of those, uh, stay in your lane kind of moments. Uh, I, uh, I kind of think of it when, when you guys used to handicap, uh, the, the life cycle of, of a broadcast series on your old site, uh, when you did it on TV by the numbers. Uh, that was, that um, was all Bill Gorman's work, but I'll, I'll take credit oh, for it. Oh, it was all Bill? That was all Bill. But okay. I, I mean, but, I, I, I'm, but, I'm very familiar with it, of course. But, yeah, the prevailing philosophy being I don't really care what you think about the show. That doesn't really play into whether it's going to be renewed. Um, that's not how TV economics works. Um, no, I just I, I wanted to sort of, uh, as you said, gently remind the, uh, you, you know, the people on the other side of the, uh, the TV desk that, uh, you know, I guess, and there's an interesting story, really, in, to, in, in terms of why the schedule uh, was always built around the fall. Um, that that was uh, like so many things that uh, we still hold true today. Uh, that was an ABC invention. ABC basically looked at the uh, their client list, and I think at the time, probably 55, 60 percent of their dollars were coming from automotive. And obviously, especially back then, the automotive cycle is you start moving stuff off the lot in September. Right. So ABC thought, well, why, why don't we just, um, 
why don't we put all our shows, all our new shows, on in the same week? And we'll, we'll premiere them all at the same time. And that'll be the start of the season, and we'll, you know, we'll run through whenever. And ABC was also instrumental in developing the first real upfront schedule, right. much for the same reason. You know, it's easier to sell it in May and June uh, ahead of time, and you, you know, you get your, you get your uh, uh, money down, locked down in early, and and the uh, clients get their guarantees, and everybody's happy, but. Uh, yeah, I just I think it's funny because um, so and sometimes I think uh, on the business side we we think of TV almost in abstract terms because it's almost as if the the product itself you can pull it's plug and play you just pull one thing out and shove something else in yeah. uh, and obviously people who are writing for a more general entertainment audience uh, are more interested in the in the uh, content itself but um uh the you know the idea that television even exi- you know the the content if it's good it's almost like it's an accident especially on broadcast <laughs> uh but it's it, given the way the ratings are structured the C3 ratings the um it if you do, if you watched if you were insane and you watched an hour of television, and you only watched the commercials, and you skipped all the actual narrative content right. you know, that the network spent all the money on, uh, that would be perfectly fine with everybody. Right. You, the, the, the ads are the, the whole point. It looks like the whole point of TV is the show with the, the Big Bang and the football and all the other stuff. But it's really not. It's the the whole point of TV is is the advertising. It's the delivery system for advertising. So uh, uh, eventually that'll go away uh, because I think increasingly everybody's starting to realize that people just don't enjoy advertising. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but <laughs> you can't tell me it's not true. I mean, there's the Super Bowl, sure. But that, that's the one time of the year where people really seem to want to light it up on the creative side. And even then, when was the last time you saw a Super Bowl commercial that really knocked your socks off? So the only one that's uh, coming to mind that I remember is the uh, the Darth Vader kid with the uh, Volkswagen Jetta. And that might be five or six yeah. years old by now. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, so, Anthony, um, you, you talked about this, and I can talk about it, uh, too, a little bit. But I, I don't I, – you, you can probably speak to it a little bit better um, I don't think that uh, most of my listeners even probably understand that the uh, the ratings that I you know that the people like me TV by the numbers show show Buzz Daily uh, Douglas Pucci etc uh, you know post and tweet out those are actually program ratings not commercial ratings and can, can you just briefly talk about what the difference differences are between the, the ratings that are commonly po- available and posted. And uh, and the actual ratings that matter uh, the the C three and the C seven. Sure, and and without it getting too kind of propeller head or inside baseball, uh, basically. Oh, and it's the tenth anniversary too, which is really funny because uh, uh, the C three or it's it's which stands for commercial ratings, three days of commercial ratings. So it it basically incorporates the the live viewing through. I think it's something like two in the morning. And three, then three, three in the days morning. of three in the morning, yeah, and then three days of time shifted viewing, which 
at the time was mostly DVR. Uh, so it, it, it's not exactly what it purports itself to be. It's not a perfect second by second capture of all the commercial, you know, uh, content that's, that's in the, uh, given program for an hour it's an average minute rating but it's better than nothing uh but the funny thing is is it 10 years ago when it was first implemented it was seen by almost everyone in the industry as a kind of stopgap measure and very much a compromise and it would probably be in use for a year or two and then they'd move on to something better and more more uh Kind of more in keeping with the digital world that we live in, right. and of course, uh, it's ten years ago, and we're still stuck with it. Uh, so, um, so basically, the difference between the live same day ratings we see at about four o'clock or four fifteen every afternoon uh, in many of the places that that you just mentioned is, you know, they're they're just basically uh, those are the vanilla ratings. Those are just uh, the average minute rating for a given program. Uh, and uh, when you take the C3 ratings, which literally just, again, do the average minute rating for uh, an approximation of where those commercial pods are, uh, that's what they measure. And when you put them against each other, there's almost very little, uh, there's very little difference between the live seven, live same day, excuse me, and the C3 rating. So the currency, the data that they actually buy and sell and make guarantees against, there's it's uh, the difference between the live same day and the C3 is two tenths of a ratings point for broadcast, right. even less for cable. Um, so it's negligible. There are a couple shows uh, that do over index. Uh, Empire uh, gains almost an entire ratings point. Uh, upon application uh, of the C3, and it's even a little higher in C7. Um, and the Shonda Land shows on Thursday on ABC. Uh, and uh, I think the, the common thread, although I don't think anybody's ever done a full investigation into this, uh, is that uh, that shows that do better in C3 tend to over-index uh, with African-American viewers which then I'm just going to assume that's got to have some kind of um, through line to uh, lower DVR penetration. Right. Because right. ultimately, a- anybody who DVRs something, unless you forget that you're watching something time-shifted or a movie trailer comes on that you haven't seen, you're, you're going to skip the ads. And that's exactly what we see. Because when we see, you know, the networks push out all that, live three-day and live seven-day stuff, which is great if you're the showrunner and you want to see exactly how many eyeballs are watching your stuff with the delayed viewing. Um, but everybody skips the ads pretty much. Yep. And uh, so in terms of the advertising, uh, uh, the clients and the agencies and the deals that they make and the guarantees that are made and all that money, you know, the Oh, the overall, if you take in syndication and local and everything, it's like $76 billion. So all that money really depends on whether you actually watch the ad. And since people don't watch the ads when they time shift outside of VOD, you know, where you can't skip, um, 
the 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 numbers that the networks provide are inflated. Um, I do manage to get. I usually do like a quarterly report on the on the currency numbers because I I manage to get my hands on them, and I think it's instructive to sort of show, you know, hey, it's there's no there's no real big change here, and um, you know if, if if the networks are trying to push this narrative that somehow they're winning people back. With time shifting, as much as the reality is, is that people just don't watch a lot of scripted network TV on the network schedule. They're not, you know, it's not uh, doing anything to defray the damage that's being done by their ability to skip the ads. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, so it's Anthony, yeah. So I, I, I think so. The big, the big takeaway is bad news. The TV ratings that you usually see aren't the ones that matter. Uh, but good news, they are a very good proxy uh, for, the, for, for, for the ones that matter. And, and, and so I, I think that's instructive. Okay, I, I want to move on. I want to get yeah. your take on something uh, just sort of as a, as a guy who is, is knowledgeable about the TV business in general. And I'm pretty sure it was uh, James Andrew Miller who was the first person to kind of put this idea out into the wild. Uh, but now even like Sports Business Journal editor Abe Madcor is uh, towing the – they are counting on Greeny to deliver a big morning show hit uh, narrative line uh, regarding ESPN's upcoming morning show. And I'm just really curious, what, what's your reaction to that kind of, that kind of uh, narrative? In terms of like ESPN, absolutely has to have a huge hit in in the morning, or or, uh, uh, I, or I, I'm just I'm just asking for your your generic reaction to the uh, to the narrative that is you know goes something like they are counting on Greeny's new show to deliver uh, you know big numbers and it, and uh, another uh, variant of that narrative is it is it, it you know it be the 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 first big test for Connor Shell, uh, you know, in his regime, and I'm just wondering what your uh, reaction yeah. to that is. Well, I I, I will say this: uh, I, I wasn't at all surprised when I, I saw that Connor was getting uh, getting uh, kicked upstairs. Uh, that is a uh, in, in an industry where there are an awful lot of smart people. That that Connor really stands out. Um, I've I've had discussions with him about. Uh, the 30 for 30 properties uh, specifically and um, you know came away thinking wow this guy really knows what he's doing here uh, probably helps that he's uh, I think he can't be any more older than 40 um, but he's he's definitely grown up in the digital space and uh, understands all the uh, the, the various challenges that, that lie ahead. But I think I, I, I kind of go against the narrative that, um, you know, the prevailing story is that uh, sports center is in so much trouble and uh, primarily because people just don't need to get highlights and, and scores and updates on linear TV. Now that everybody carries the world in their front pocket um, which is which is accurate for sure, yep. uh, but I think they've been doing a really uh, proactive job of of trying to work around it in, in reinventing what Sports Center is supposed to look and feel like. Um, but with in terms of the the Greeny thing, you know, he's already got the brand recognition. He's he's already got a big following on the radio. I don't think they have to do a huge number out of the gate because, frankly. 
what's he competing against? He's going to be going up against the new FS1 show, and I, I don't see the, the Chris Carter, Nick Wright thing blowing up because nothing on the network is blown up. Yeah. I mean, outside of live sports, they just don't get numbers. Yeah, I mean, I can uh, I can see the 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 new FS1 show uh, helping Undisputed and uh, and the Herd a little bit at least, but uh, I can't really yeah. see it being strong on its own. Well, that was that was Jamie's whole idea was that it was going to be it the shoot you need lead in still lead in still matter, um, especially with with live uh, afternoon programming, and so the idea was that the 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 herd never really had a lead in uh they they would sometimes repurpose old older games and stuff like that or uh but nothing no no original programming so the idea was like to put something new in and 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 then have the seamless flow throughout the afternoon um and it could it could help for sure but the 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 question is it's, is it all going to be just relative? Because, again, you're just looking at really small numbers yep. sort of across the board right now. Um, and I don't – I don't – right I don't see how anything is going to change. It just doesn't seem like anything's really uh, – there, there's no traction at all. Uh, so – it, you know, that'll be the thing to look at in the fall for sure. But I don't uh, – again, getting back just to the ESPN side of it – I don't think they need a smash hit out of the gate. I think they need, you know, do they want to do better numbers than they're doing with the iteration of sports center that they have on now? Sure. And uh, and I think they'll certainly have, uh, they should have good sampling early on because people are going to want to check it out. And I think it's probably launching right before football starts. And so there'll be plenty of, Actually, it's. Uh, I think around. it's. I think it's starting in January. So before the college football, oh. before the college football playoff, and while there's still a month or so of NFL playoffs going on. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, you got to, you got to, you got to have the NFL in the mix uh, to if you're going to launch a, a sports show, for sure. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm with you. Hey, so. Uh, you you recently uh, wrote about uh, legalized g- gambling in the in the context of uh, I think it was Adam Silver's uh, comments at a recent Paley Center event, and uh, I know I know I have plenty of degenerate gamblers uh, listening to this podcast, uh, and you might even be one of them for all I know. Uh, so I, I'm just I, I just wanted to circle back to that story. Um, so obviously Silver is very bullish. Uh, on the on the thought of legalized gambling in general, but I, I'm wondering, you know, what your take is on, uh, you know, what you see the outcome uh, being over the next several years, and if you if you agree with uh, with with Commissioner Silver that uh, it, that it's likely that uh, that uh, sometime, you know, maybe say within five years or so, that uh, sports gambling will be legalized. It, it it does seem like that's everything's going in that direction. The so-called uh... The syntax, uh, you know, you're seeing more states starting to look at marijuana. Um, uh, casino gambling is obviously blown up uh, with the, you know, Native American reservations and the river boats. And, you know, I, when I was a kid, if you, if you wanted to gamble legally, you, you either went to Vegas or you went to Atlantic City. And right. then uh, even – even then, if you, if you wanted the full experience, you had to go to Las Vegas. If you wanted sports book, you had to go to Las Vegas. Um, 
and there were plenty of uh, neighborhood guys who could take care of you if you wanted to bet on sports uh, without making the trip out there. And uh, uh, that that uh, that, that would people. be illegal gambling, I believe that is referred. Yes, to. that would be the illegal gambling that everyone pretends doesn't happen. Which, parenthetically, I thought it was funny at the at the Paley thing for. And, and, you know, Silver's been upfront about this for a while. He wrote that uh, editorial, and I think it was 2014 in the New York Times, uh, basically saying, look, it, we can pretend it's not happening, but if they do legalize it, we can we can make sure that the games aren't jeopardized, that the integrity of the games aren't jeopardized, because basketball, obviously, has got to be 100 times easier to fix than football. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how you'd go about fixing a football game, although I'm sure some of the best minds <laughs> have uh, have been at it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I I think um, I, I you know a lot of it might depend on how this Jersey thing works out because if Jersey uh, if if the Supremes you know ratify it and 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 Jersey. Uh, starts to legalize sports gambling, I can't imagine that there won't be dozens of states that want to fall in. I mean, just the tax windfall alone, it would be well worth it. Um, and, then, and then the leagues, of course, they, they would have to, as, as Silver was alluding to before, that, you know, they'd have to make sure that uh, that uh, there's no funny business going on. I'm not sure exactly what they would do, what what systems they'd have to put into place. I do think it's funny that Goodell didn't say a word about it on the panel, um, who uh, the NFL pretends that gambling doesn't exist at all. They they sort of give credence to it during the Super Bowl because you can't not bring that yeah. up. But uh, uh, you got your you got the Raiders moving to Las Vegas, and the 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 idea forever was you can't have uh, professional uh, sports franchises in Las Vegas because it's too easy for the players and the officials to one way or the other rub elbows with uh, yep. nefarious characters. Although I think I even mentioned in the story, I thought it was kind of, I always thought it was kind of funny that they'd single out Vegas because, you know, we have plenty of sports teams in New York city and Chicago and Boston and Detroit and there's plenty of uh, knock-around guys in those cities. So I, I don't know how, why it would be somehow easier. I remember the Joe Namath uh, with, with uh, what was it, Bachelors 3? Uh, his bar, And yeah. uh, the league made him shut it down because there were so many, uh, uh, let's say, uh, connected guys going in and out of there. You can, just, you can say was, made you know, men, can't you? You can say yeah. Well, like made means made means your button guys, which means you actually killed somebody. I think a lot of these guys probably are more like uh, De Niro with his hysterically bad eyewear in Casino. You know, <laughs> the, the numbers guys. That that'd be a, that'd be a whole thesis unto itself. The spectacularly awful eyewear of Robert De Niro. <laughs> okay, so you know it's it's hard to. Like, I mean, it's hard to 
it's hard to even forecast like what's the, the TV landscape going to look like in five years. Uh, and uh, so I want to ruin. Yeah. So I, so I want to do it in reverse. <laughs> let's, let's say that, okay. uh, let's say that get, you know, we were heading into the first season where gambling and it's right now, you know, this NFL season, gambling widely legalized and, uh, you know, going forward, like if that happened right now, how big of an impact would you see it having on uh, on you know leagues like NFL and NBA as far as TV ratings go? Um, that's a good question because I, I I think I've always been under the impression that uh, the reason that uh, the NFL ratings in particular are always so high is because of gambling and fantasy. Yep. Uh, the, you know, you can't tell me that 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 there's so many of these people are are watching non-competitive regional games uh, who, who don't have a couple bucks on it. Uh, I, so, it, if 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 it makes it easier for more people to sort of join in on the fun, then I, I would imagine there'd be a concomitant lift in, in the ratings. But it seems like people have access to all sorts of not legal means of putting some money down. So uh, I don't know. And the numbers are already pretty huge. Yep. So I, I don't, I, I kind of doubt there'd be, you know, like, like a, 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 a noticeable spike. What about, because you're already a, talking about. Yeah. That's for the NFL. Yeah. Because the NFL, you, you, you think it, it's, uh, it's loaded in already, but uh, do, do you have, you know, similar, similar. Do you feel the same way about uh, I don't know college hoops and uh, NBA hoops and uh, let, let's throw out uh, I don't know golf, NASCAR, stuff like that. Uh, well, if you're betting on golf, you should talk to a professional. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did say that there like, were many degenerate gamblers who listened to this yeah. podcast. Well, yeah, and and Gary Bettman was on the panel as well, and he, he <laughs> understatedly uh, mentioned that they weren't really part of the conversation he didn't say that you'd have to be an absolute degenerate to bet on hockey but really come on <laughs> uh yeah yeah i mean i i think it would take i think it would take a little while i think it would probably take a while for people let's say who aren't brought up in the culture and aren't used to the mechanisms of gambling might not be all that interested in it once it is legal. I think there's already a, a pretty big merry crew that uh, sort of grows up on it. I mean, I mean, I know I got into it because I had, uh, let's say, uh, let's say a great uncle uh, who was, uh, you know, he was a pretty, pretty active bookie, and he uh, he brought Parley's home once it was the first time i saw it. i was like five years old so i was i was like yeah this is great wait i win money if i just pick four teams uh and then i made the mistake of bringing them to school uh and then the parent teacher conference for that uh but uh yeah i i, I just wonder if if people who haven't figured out a way to somehow uh make bets if they'd be interested anyways, you know, I, I, it sort of seems like that uh, pool of, of potential people can't be all that big. But 
you know, we'll see. I, this is also speculative because it's it's so outside of what we always think of in terms of what's acceptable and what isn't. Right. Um, that it, it's it's hard to model. It, it, I, I, I'd be interested. I think basically the leagues are looking at more um, as an opportunity to to take some money or to wet their beaks, basically to take money out of a, a, an incredible revenue stream that they've always been shut out of uh, by, you know, you put a button on the uh, NBA.com page and you can put a $20 bet on the Cavs or whatever. And NBA takes a cut and maybe the Cavs get a little bit, or I'm not how sure how sure how that would work. But uh, I think they're just, they're always looking for new revenue streams. And I think if they can keep it clean and, they can keep it uh, uh, regulated, then then it's it's nothing but upside. And again, it just addresses the fact that this is the reality. This is a, a big part of why sports is popular. Uh, I, I I sometimes say like the the most boring game in the world. You could you could turn on the game. Maybe it's one of those Saturday NFL Network games, and it's Cleveland versus the Jags. And you're like, oh boy, but throw four hundred dollars on that thing, <laughs> and suddenly that is riveting television. <laughs> yeah. And it gets more riveting the more zeros you put on the end of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm 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 interested in seeing it. I'm and I'm almost curious to see if there's going to be any counter lobbying me- measures. Um, and it'd be funny to see who would represent uh, those interests. So, like, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just, th- you know, thinking of a guy, you know, kind of like yanking his tie back and forth. And, you know, <laughs> we, we, uh, we really don't want this kind of thing near the schools and blah, 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 blah. And it might be a good job for the mooch if, uh, if he's in line for a new position down the road. <laughs> um, so, okay. You know, a couple of years ago, before before all of the uh, the legal snafus hit uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, can, can you refresh my memory on uh, you know what what their ad spend during uh, like NFL games was two seasons ago in the fall? Oh yeah, so and 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 this was just a one year uh, phenomenon uh, because it it was you know they were around for a little bit, but they got into that. It was almost like a, um, like a, a not a bidding war, but um, it, it, almost like a Coke versus Pepsi thing. Yeah, it, it was just the two of them, and uh, they they both decided they needed to to grab more market share, and uh, they that it, was it two years ago. I, I think, think it was. It definitely wasn't last year. Yeah, it was. Did. It was. Two, it was 2015. Yeah, because the legal the legal stuff started hitting the fan in in 2016. Um, but yeah, the uh, in 2015, uh, I'm just going to look at just the NFL. FanDuel and DraftKings put in about almost like 110 million dollars. Wow. On in in game inventory. And that's a lot. I mean, it was so much so that they became that year and just that year. Uh, if you segment out 
if you take the brands and sort of segment them out into categories, they became a top 10 category under themselves. Yeah. So, so, so call it gaming or fantasy or whatever. So they, that, they were throwing, they were putting so much money into the, into the uh, uh, ecosystem that they became, a, you know, they were up there with auto and fast food and insurance and right. that kind of thing. Yeah, so that that's kind of my next question. So, and, and this this is, you know, giving you an impossible task of, of, of forecasting an, an alternate reality. But uh, let's say that the, the, the legal the legal stuff that uh, sidetracked them had, hadn't happened. Uh, any guesses about uh, what that $110 million number would be like for the upcoming season? That's it, that's interesting too because they swore up and down their marketing people on both ends that they wouldn't have spent the same amount of money in 2016 that they did in 2015 because you know they had already made the brand impact right. and uh, you know I think that's easy to say in retrospect uh, but they, there was a big there was a there was a big disconnect between the amount of money that was coming in and the amount of money that was being spent. So it didn't, it didn't appear if you, you know, if you looked on the books that they were going to be in the position to spend that money uh, forever. Uh, but, but NFL was definitely their, that was their primary spend. You know, that's when they brought on the idea was they were going to do it in the fall because that was when they were going to bring in the most fantasy players and, uh, so, I, I, if if you take them at their word, it, it was never going to be a, a completely sustainable thing. But they went from that hundred and ten million to nothing, just yeah. virtually nothing. And so, I think that last year, a lot of the NFL partners were like, "Well, look, we are we are we happy that that this." Uh, unicorn category came and went that fast? No, but I think most of them looked at it like uh, like finding a money uh, like a briefcase full of money on the subway. It's great, but that's not a revenue stream. <laughs> that's not going to happen every time you take the R train. Yep. So you take it and you you, you know it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, how the the networks all had to hustle during the recession and and all the auto money was out and uh, a huge chunk of the financial services was out so they had so two of their biggest categories just vanished and so all of a sudden you saw it, it was almost like the clients were starting to develop products uh, and whether this was just synchronicity or uh, you know who knows but there all of a sudden there was this wealth of men's grooming products and you couldn't turn on a football game without seeing all sorts of stuff that men have lived for millennia without. And suddenly with shower gel, huh? Well, you know so. what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a a, a shout out to uh, to Axe and Old Spice and all those po- people mm-hmm. because the one thing I can tell you is kids use that stuff no, because you can do. smell them from a mile yeah, away. Yeah, especially the Axe stuff, which is. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, the, that that stuff is uh, yeah, that's clearly uh, marketed to to the to the younger male and, demos. And and I'm and I might not love it, 
but uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. It, it seems like it's been very effective marketing. On, on, it, yeah, on it, it just it's funny because like the one advantage of being a, a, a male American is that there's so little upkeep. You know, you had to get your razors <laughs> and your razor, you know, your shaving cream, and then uh, if you were bald, that took out a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, then even if you have hair, you're probably only yep. using shampoo. Easier. You're not you're not using conditioner, you know, and that's pretty much it, right? Like, what else do you need? You know, band aids, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I, I sidetracked you. You were talking about the, you know, the the they they basically pulled the, uh, you know, the men men's grooming category out of the ether. Yeah. So you saw that even though, and obviously sales were way down that year because it was just unprecedented in terms of how bad the the market was. But they they always find ways to sort of you know shore up their ruins. Um, so this year, I think uh, you know we're seeing a, a pretty weak market in terms of automotive and movies, especially. Uh, hey, hey Anthony, Anthony. Yeah. So bef- before you go there, I kind of want to lead you lead you lead you there, but uh, in a slightly different way. Okay. So so uh, among among your uh, your your recent uh, stories on uh, on Ad Age is uh you know something i think you do uh, at least two times a year probably more where you you know you highlight the uh you know the most watched programs so far and uh, basically uh, the most watched programs so far in uh 2017 are all sports and award shows and then in sports mostly uh mostly football and then mostly NFL um and and i i think that's kind of a nice tie in to um, you know, to, to have you kind of end, end this uh, podcast talking, talking about NFL advertising in general, as far as the, uh, the upcoming year. And then, and then maybe sort of, I've been asked this question a few times and, and, um, you know, I, 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 I have answers, but I'm, I'm interested to hear yours. And, and the question is, how is it possible that NFL ratings were actually down last year, but, uh, ad revenue was still up and, uh, and you, you can take it from here. Okay, well, um, so we're we're looking at uh, during the upfront when they're when they're selling the good chunk of the NFL inventory. Uh, I was getting a lot of uh, feedback from the buyers and the sellers, and and uh, it's pretty unanimous that uh, automotive money is 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 a little soft this year, and movie money is down. Uh, and you, you, you know, you always look at those things. Auto is obviously a big deal. It's the biggest category. So anytime something like that is in the works for the biggest, uh, must buy, uh, programming on TV, people get a little nervous. Although, you know, it's, it's worth noting that the, the, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that, that the, uh, the automakers that are sort of sitting on the sidelines right now aren't going to come back because unless you buy some really smart, you know, stitch together some college football, there is nothing in the fall that's going to get you the ratings points that you're going to need to move the cars off the lot. Uh, And and you can't even say, well, especially if you're, if you're a GM or if you're Ford, you, you can't say, well, you know, football is too expensive. If a 30-second spot in Fox's late national game, the 420 game, 
which is this year is going to be almost all Cowboys, the the biggest, highest rated, most watched team in America. Uh, uh, and, and probably will do even better because they, they look like uh, contenders uh, with Dak right. Prescott, and, and the defense looks much, much improved. So you can't say that $800,000 for a 30 is, is too rich for your blood because, one, your marketing budgets are, you know, <laughs> catastrophically high. Or, you know, they're huge. You've, you've, got, you've got money to burn. Um, but also the the sheer number of people who watch in the most desirable demographics are such that the, uh, the CPM, you know, the cost of reaching a thousand of those people is low compared to a lot of stuff you'd buy on general entertainment. You know, you, if you right. bought, if you bought say empire, if you bought the last couple episodes of empire, the ratings were so low compared to what you paid they, you're looking at a CPM that was almost a hundred bucks, where you could spend half that and get a football audience. So, yeah. well, why wouldn't you? And and we're talking, yeah. you know, with 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 the number of Cowboys games they have, the Fox is going to be hitting twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty million people. Uh, you know, as long as the games are competitive. So this is this is just like it's. It's it's just too good of an opportunity to pass up. So, if those if the people who are sitting out on the sidelines now come back, they have to pay a premium to get back in because they sat out of the upfront where the prices are lower. Uh, so they pay higher and scatter, which means the networks will just take in more money. So I don't think they're too worried about it. They'll need a strong yeah. scatter market. If the scatter market's weak for whatever reason, and nine times out of ten it's not, nine times out of ten. If the economy is normal and nothing crazy is going on, the, the the prices that you can command closer to air date in the fall are going to be more than you charged ahead in, in the summer. Uh, they'll be fine. And I, and I think the movie thing. Anthony, can can you speak to, and, and just in round numbers, like uh, what what percentage of the, the ads have already been purchased uh, via upfronts and what's left available for scatter as far as, you know, like the, the late afternoon NFL on uh, Fox and CBS? I think usually it's about, it depends. It's year, it's a year by thing, year thing. I don't have a, an exact percentage for this year um, because everybody sort of sells at their own pace and NBC sort of throws it off a little bit because they also, they're, they're dealing with having to sell the Winter Olympics, and they've got the Super Bowl this year. Uh, but normally, they they usually sell about say seventy five percent of their inventory. So they probably this held back more for Scatter this year, uh, knowing that Auto and and the movie guys are probably going to come back in. Um, right. But you know it's a big chunk, and it, it won't go unsold. You won't be watching TV, and suddenly uh, Chris Collinsworth is like uh, in the third quarter. Well, uh, we, we're going to have a commercial break here, but uh, well, we're going to stay. <laughs> so we're going to stay because we, you know, God, we don't want that seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it'll get sold. I, I never, I don't worry about too much about. Uh, where things are, because 
I, I think part of the thing that you mentioned before about the the, the ratings were down last year, but the uh, ultimately they they made they I think ad sales in game, not counting the playoffs and the Super Bowl, were actually up four or five percent, while overall ratings were down eight to nine percent. And part of that is just it's TV is very and if you you know want to dumb it down as much as possible. It's just a supply and demand market. So even though the ratings were down, you still can't get that kind of delivery anywhere else. And there were still enough marquee games, especially later in the season, that people who came in late uh, and maybe didn't spend a lot of money in the upfront, they paid the scatter premium. Then. You know, it it all it, it all works out. The uh, if if you only have so much inventory to sell, and by the end of the season most of the stuff is sold out, and you'll hold back a little bit, knowing that especially the movie guys always come in late. Um, and it it was funny because Les Moonves said this in a call a couple of years ago, and it was kind of unprecedented because as, as much as Les is bold and he and he and he likes. Uh, uh, making big statements, I, I'd never heard any anyone on the network level uh, admit that the movie guys uh, basically uh, lose their minds before the Super Bowl and will pay anything to to get in late. Uh, right. And he like he he literally was intimated that they'll pay double. <laughs> so if they're yeah. spending, you know, if everybody else is spending five million, the movie guys will spend ten. And I, and I haven't told. Uh, by a lot of people that uh, even when they've got their inventory locked in a couple weeks before the game, sometimes the networks won't get the creative until a couple hours before kickoff. Because the studios, yeah. I don't know, it's, I think part, partly it's just a function of having marketing budgets that are actually uh, bigger than the production budget. Like, so you have $100 million to make a film, and you're spending... 140 or 150 to promote it. So it's like, what difference does it make? You know, it's all, you're just going to spend it anyways. That's kind of crazy. So I'm, I'm interested to know, um, you know, so the, the NFL did something that they, they didn't have to. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's going to be received well uh, by everyone, which is they are moving to, uh, fewer, but longer, I guess, ultimately, yeah. uh, commercial break. So they're going to yeah. end the uh, the uh, the extra point commercial kickoff commercial, uh, you know, segmenting. Um, I'm yeah. going to edit this out. They're going to they're going to end that sequencing and uh, and and you know go go with uh, f- fewer pods. And uh, I, you know, my guess is that that's going to be received very well, even if the amount of actual commercial time is exactly the same. What are your thoughts? Well, it's that's the commercial break everybody hates. Uh, so that the kickoff, that, you mean? Yeah, I mean that that's and that has been part of the just the the thing that we've been used to forever. I, I don't remember the NFL not having that structure. Maybe yeah, it was different. Either. Yeah, I I mean, maybe it was really different when I was little, but um, I just remember uh, viscerally hating it because it just – it's terrible when you're there in in person. So it's even worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, if you're at the game. Yeah, because you're like, why why are we stopping again? It's just unnatural. It never really made sense because it's not – 
you don't it, it doesn't it's not uh, accommodating anything that's happening in the real world on the field. You know, you're not like you can bring in a whole special teams in in a matter of seconds. It's not like we need the time to like change over. It's not like a quarter break where you know, okay, well we got to march to the other end of the field or whatever. Uh, so it's never made any sense. Nobody likes it. So I think that's people will people will uh, uh, enjoy that from off the bat. And I I think it, the 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 trick is. The fewer pods, people will. The perception will be that there's fewer ads because there's fewer breaks. They'll just, they won't even notice that they're sneaking in one or two other other ads. Um, yep. Maybe maybe they'll notice later in the season, but I think that's when you get uh, brand fatigue. Like usually by about the sixth week, I am I am so tired of hearing. Uh, Dennis Leary snarling at me about trucks um, or any. Yeah, I, I, you don't. And yeah. You don't care if Peyton Manning wants you to buy Sunday ticket. Anyway. No. And then I get to the point where I was like, uh, I'm sick of being reminded that uh, I will never have the life that requires any of these things. Like I always look at those <laughs> truck commercials. Like I don't ever need to haul anything. I don't ever need to like, drive in slow motion through a giant mud puddle and up a mountain. And I feel kind of bad, you know, like I also think it's weird. I, I watch like almost a disgusting amount of football on Sunday. Uh, sometimes I'll just watch all three blocks and, and not get up, um, which is disgusting. So, and I'm still, in the demo, and uh, I have a couple dollars, uh, you know, as long as I'm not gambling it all away, that, which is why I'm on the couch. Um, so I would be the perfect uh, receptacle for the, all these ads, and almost none of them have any relevance to me whatsoever. And part of it is just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a New Yorker, so I don't need a car. I don't need car insurance. That cuts down like fifty percent of the ads right there. Yeah. Then yep. I, you know, I know Budweiser exists. Uh, thanks, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I've ever bought anything outside of a movie ticket that I've seen advertised in an, in, in an NFL game, or, or probably pretty much anything else. But that's also that could just be very much. Uh, I am not like the normal consumer. So okay, so I'm gonna yeah, I am. I'm pretty sure you're not the normal consumer. Yeah. but I, I don't. I, I don't know that you're that. You know that you're you're that out of whack for uh, for uh, you know single male living in New York. That that, that could be. Uh, uh, okay, so I I, I want to get you out of here on this. So we are in the dog days of summer. Uh, what what should what 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 are you going to keep like what's going to capture your eye what are things you're going to be looking for uh as far as ratings and uh you know the tv advertising space uh for for the last uh month of the summer or or should i just pack it up and and come back and you know after labor day well i i'm fascinated by baseball right now uh because really yeah well i i sort of i i sort of feel a little squishy for fox because there are there are portents that look very promising. 
The Dodgers yes, are the Dodgers are on track to win 114 games. The Dodgers just don't seem interested in losing anymore. That would be great. You know, you've you've got a team that hasn't been in it for a long time. They're in the second biggest DMA. Um, you know, the Cubbies that that was great last year, and they're certainly not out of it by any means. They're not they're not playing the same kind of ball they were last year, but they're in first place. Um, so anything could happen. You've got a great Washington team, but in terms of just sheer ratings, you have to imagine that Fox is rooting for a deep run with the Dodgers. Aaron Judge. Yeah. Aaron Judge. And then my, my boy, baby Frankenstein, uh, he's just so much fun to watch. He's just this, you know, it, it, it sort of reminds me when I, I met Shaq, and I felt like I was a little kid again because he's just so physically giant that it's almost funny. Um, and you have the New York Yankees who this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And if we got, you know, to third place, that, that would be, you know, better than a, a sharp stick in the eye. But this is this looks like this is going to be a race. And I wouldn't count out Tampa either. But between Boston and New York, this could go to the wire, provided there's not any knockwood catastrophic injuries or anything like that however however boston and the yankees could meet in the divisional and then have to go through the buzzsaw that's houston i can't imagine fox wants houston to to go to the world series this was a team just three years ago Uh, 0.0. 0.0. They were scratching in their local market. Now, obviously, it's a totally different book, but still, that's just not – that is not what anybody wants. And, and of course, your Fox, you always want that Boston-New York series in the playoffs because, uh, one, you know, the Yankees are like the Cowboys and Duke and everything else. You either hate them, and that's most of us, or you love them. And uh, you put Boston in the mix. There's those playoff series in the early part of the century were just, you know, they were classic. So that that just looks they could be set up for again. It would have to go seven games because last year was just a, a confluence of things that. Uh, you know, it was it was historic in so many different ways. There's a reason why that yep. that game seven was the the bit most watched in what was it almost 20 years. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of goofy analysis if they get a five game series and it's like, oh, the ratings are down 30 percent. What happened? And it's like, well, you can't compare the two things. It's not like the Super Bowl, which is one singular one unit. game, yeah, one, game. one thing, goodbye. Uh, but I think you know, they, there's there's definitely, I think there's a lot of reason for them to be optimistic. Uh, a lot of reason for baseball fans to be optimistic, you know. And there's still so the, the so the takeaway is if 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 you're a baseball fan uh, and a TV ratings fan uh, and you want to you want to see baseball get big numbers root. root Root for the big market teams to to make it in the playoffs. I know, which which is terrible because if you live in a smaller market, you're like, God damn it, that's that's always been true. Hey, what? But hey, but that's you, just you know the what? But I, I like, yeah, you know, uh, 
personally speaking, I mean, I, I, you know, Kansas city was in the, uh, in, in the world series twice. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, as, as a baseball fan, it was, it was still compelling television, uh, for me. Uh, but, uh, as a ratings watcher, you know, it's just not going to do what, uh, what Yankees Dodgers or Red Sox Dodgers, or even, even Yankees nationals would, uh, would yeah, do. Yeah. And, uh, I think your, your, you know, your, your point about Houston is, is really interesting because, you know, Houston is actually pre- as a, as a pretty big market. I, I think, yeah. aren't, aren't they like eight, eighth now? Uh, and, and, and so, uh, particularly if that if if that team is 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 going to be in uh, in beast mode for the next five years or so, may, maybe you do want to get them in there now and uh, and get 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 the fan love going for the uh, for the upcoming years of the uh, Astros dominance. Well, I think they need uh, the you know the, the the games of the week. I don't know how many there are now. There's certainly more than there was back in the day. Uh, but they they need to start being more proactive about putting them yeah, get give people more opportunities to see this team to see the Astros, like you said yeah. they're the That's yeah they're the point. tenth the tenth biggest dma uh they should be they should have more time plus they're fun to watch but, but the problem is it's the perception is they're they're kind of like a no-name team well that's what happens when they're you don't get a lot of airtime uh yep. but i will say the 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 other thing i'm going to be watching is uh Obviously, the NFL ratings. I, I, I've had a lot of back and forth with with people about this. I, I'm convinced that that they're going to bounce back in a huge way because you're not you're not going to have the uh, distractions of the election. Um, and uh, the NFL did everything it could to make the, the early matchups as compelling as possible. So, barring any blowouts, uh, it, it, it seems like they set the table for a really strong opening uh, push. But, like, uh, in terms of the general entertainment stuff, oh, boy. I, I'm i starting to wonder why. Oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I... I... Yeah, and 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 I didn't uh, I, I didn't talk to you about this. Uh, you know, maybe I, I will definitely have you back on in September once uh, once we have some NFL ratings. But uh, but uh, Anthony also has a, a good story up on Ad Age. I think it was maybe two weeks ago about how you know th- Thursday nights in terms of scripted programming, even even during the season on the broadcast networks, is is, is just turned into a into a wasteland when you take out the. Uh, the uh, the fall NFL Thursday games and uh, I I do recommend if you haven't read that article yet and you're a, a follower of TV to go back and watch that or to go back and read that um, but but it is interesting that uh, uh, even you know by the time the the season starts and I guess the the TV season in the in the third week of September or so we will already be in the third third week of NFL by then so we'll, we'll definitely know what the the NFL ratings landscape is by then. Yeah, I, I I think we should we should try to uh, put a put a sense of where it's going to be. Like, if I had to guess right off the bat, you know, what the first, you know, would you say the first week or the first three weeks? But either I, I I'm going to say that I'm going to say the ratings will be up six uh, percent. I'm going to say so. I'll go first three weeks. I'm going to go up eight percent. Versus last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm looking at, uh, I'm going to, I usually look at the household ratings, but um, either or, 
you know, total. Okay, so are- so uh, you you know what? We'll we'll end on this. So uh, th- this is something I think that that most people probably don't know about, and uh, I'm in, in this case I'm part of the problem, not part of the solution. Uh, I I typically stay away from household ratings because honestly, even though it uh, you know it's a it's a pretty simple metric, which is just the percentages of uh, of households. Uh, I think most people don't understand what rating ratings points are. And so yeah. I, you know, I generally try to avoid them. Uh, but, uh, but y- you've, you've talked about this a lot and I, I think even have had some dissenters arguing, arguing with you about it on Twitter, but I, I believe your, your, your stance is that, uh, for the most part, uh, big, big events like NFL football are sold based actually based on household rating, not based on uh, viewers. Yeah, they're, they're, there's still a huge chunk of the the guarantees are made against the household ratings. Although ESPN sells demos almost primarily, and they lean pretty hard on twenty five fifty four. Um, so if you're writing about you know and reporting the the metrics that matter, you almost have to use a different measurement for depending on what network you're looking at. Uh, right. so I just try to throw them all in, you know, so they did this in 18 to 49 and 2554 household, but the, the number, as much as it's the one that's the most immaterial, it's also the one that's the most visceral, the total viewer number, or the one, the thing that everybody understands implicitly, right. you see 28.3 million, you get that size, you know? So, yeah. uh, yeah, I think, and I've had def, I've had people on the network side say that they don't quite uh, agree with my optimism uh, because they feel like uh, there are certain uh, patterns that seem to be developing among younger viewers, and they think they're losing them and they're not coming back. Um, uh, but I just I just feel like there is. The schedule's so good, uh, probably one of the best schedules I've ever seen. And uh, all the nonsense and all the noise and the stuff with the political and, uh, you know, of course, people are going to rush in. If no one picks up Kaepernick, people are going to claim that's why, you know, oh, well, because he's not doing his protest. That's why, because that's why we didn't watch last year, which you know my opinion on that. Bunch of hogwash, uh, yeah. sentiment yeah. surveys, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, just something about it. It's more of like a gut thing, uh, but I, I just think that there's there's a reason why it's as big as it is, um, and it, you know, ultimately the the declines that were there were almost immaterial. Because again, it's the, when when you really look at the numbers that matter, they took in more ad sales money. That's that's all that really yeah. really matters. Um, it's I just don't see uh, I, maybe the primetime stuff continues to get squeezed if they're the games aren't as competitive um, because that is tough on on Sunday especially if you've been watching yeah. the regional games and you had a great 4:20 game on either CBS. And their schedule is great too, uh, or or Fox. Maybe you know, maybe get to the Sunday night football. And if it's not a match for you, you, you don't tune in. But um, I'm I'm again. I guess at this point, we're speaking about 
the audience that isn't degenerate gamblers or just <laughs> people who stink well, up their couch for 12 hours on a Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we're 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 speculating, and a lot of people are speculating that the, that the ratings will go back up. I, you know, I, I do find the the pushback uh, from your friends at the network about you know the general trends with eighteen to thirty four just making it you know hard to uh, you know hard hard to you know show growth year over year. Uh, but I, I I I still think my gut's telling me last year was was an anomaly as far yeah. as the NFL. It it definitely just. It, it's not anything I expect to be repeated, and that's the thing. If it does, if we're wrong, and we get to the that's end, it's a of, bigger story. Yeah, if we get to the end of next year and it's down another nine percent, then there's a problem. And then at that point, everybody should jump off the highest ledge they can find because TV <laughs> is over. If if sports isn't doing uh, except, it anymore, except, not not Rich Greenfield. He'll he he will uh, he'll still have the high ground. Yeah, he'll happens. he'll have a he'll have a new hashtag. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good luck, Amazon. He'll he'll switch to <laughs> to, to becoming an Amazon. Well, that's the, that's that the part. great thing. You it, 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 when you're a futurist, you can keep saying what's going to happen down the road. Eventually, you will be right, even yeah. if it takes twenty years, and no one's yeah, around me, uh, to you know. Let, let me uh, throw in a shout out. So if you're listening to this and you, you haven't listened to uh, to Eric Jackson's most recent podcast yet, uh, I am. Uh, we're taping this on Friday, July 28th. And uh, earlier in the day, Eric, Eric debated uh, Rich on his podcast, which was uh, which was pretty interesting. I recommend uh, downloading the Eric Jackson podcast and uh, Krupe. I, I think by the ne- by the next time I have you on the podcast, which will probably be the way things are going, only be you know four or five weeks. Uh, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk you into having a podcast because I I, th- I think you need to have your own podcast. Uh, yeah, or or a puppet show or something, a <laughs> multimedia thing. Uh, Anthony. Anthony, thanks very much for uh, joining the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Ed Sports TV Ratings. Thanks for having me, Robert. Always good to talk to you. Thanks again to Mr. Krupe for joining the podcast on short notice. And uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at uh, Krupe Krupe Krupe. That's C-R-U-P-I, C-R-U-P-I, C-R-U-P-I. And uh, if you still want uh, even more Krupe, you can listen to episode five of the podcast and all the past episodes including Richard Deitch and Eric Jackson talking sports media, NBC Sports Bay Area's Ahmed Farid on hosting pre- and post-game for the San Francisco Giants and uh, during kind of a a historically bad season at that. And Around the Horn producer Aaron Solomon are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on SportsTVRatings.com. And uh, I'm not sure who the next guest will be, but upcoming guests will hopefully include... Fox Sports Executive Vice President of Research, Michael Mulvihill, ESPN's Jay Adande, uh, Rick Cordella, who heads up uh, NBC Sports' digital business, NFL Network, and Fox Sports' uh, Peter Schrager. And uh, once he's back on Canadian TV in September, Jay Onright. Listen and you listen good, see? What you gotta do is, I got this show. It's gonna do an 07 and C7. Well, it's a piece of fucking shit, that's why. But, 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 but you know how the dynamics work. So what, what you're gonna do is you're gonna pay me a 7% CPM. Oh, don't fuck around with me, goddammit. It's just fucking sign of the line that's dotted. Jesus fucking Christ. Don't, don't give me that look. <laughs>